are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show with Gavin Walker, coming right up. Thank you. 
Well, as usual, we would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and uh, of course, as usual, we have a full slate of music to play for you and uh, a couple of jazz birthdays to celebrate as well this evening, and we'll get into that uh, a little later on in the show. Our jazz feature, which uh, of course is always uh, shortly after 11 o'clock, is an album by McCoy Tyner, and it's actually one of my very favorite McCoy Tyner albums. He, um, after he left uh, John Coltrane's group, of course, um, uh, when when he departed from uh, from from Coltrane's band, McCoy Tyner, of course, was already a jazz star. It was McCoy. Tyner and Herbie Hancock, who changed the whole aspect of jazz piano in the 1960s and um, influenced, of course, uh, generations of, uh, of piano players. And McCoy um, signed a contract with Blue Note Records and began making uh, albums for them. Um, he wasn't working all that much. Uh, <laughs> Uh, as a matter of fact, I, uh, I had a long conversation with McCoy a number of years ago when he was in town, and he said that was a rough time for him after he had left Coltrane, even though he was making, signed a contract with Blue Note, was making records, and, um, and the records, of course, were getting all kinds of wonderful critical acclaim. There weren't that many gigs, and of course, McCoy had a family to support, so he drove a taxi, and uh, we, had a, we had a big laugh over that, and uh, McCoy said he tried to uh, drive a taxi for the big New York cab companies and uh, uh, the politics of trying to get shifts and all this sort of stuff was fairly difficult, and he ended up um, driving a gypsy cab, which which is uh, an unlicensed cab. There's lots of those in New York, and um, for a friend of his, and he said he made more money and was able to uh, drive when he wanted to, and uh, he said it was a really nice car, too, uh, very well kept, and looked, of course, like a real taxi, although it wasn't licensed. And uh, he, he said he worried about that a few uh, for uh, as long as he drove, but uh, he was never caught. So there you go. Uh, even a jazz star has, sometimes has to uh, deal with this stuff, um, economics and all that kind of thing. But anyway, uh, McCoy's uh, contract with Blue Note Records was long. He made a lot of wonderful recordings. But this one stands out in my mind. I remember when I, I bought it, sight unseen. Of course, I, I, I looked at the personnel and I went, oh, okay, I'll go for that. And uh, then when I heard the music, I realized that McCoy Tyner's music had grown from what I had already listened to uh, to something a little more expansive. And uh, as a matter of fact, that's the name of the album. The album is called Expansions, and it features a three-horn front line with the great Woody Shaw on trumpet, uh, Gary Bartz on alto saxophone, one of my favorites, Wayne Shorter on tenor saxophone, who uh, had uh, just left Miles Davis's band, McCoy on piano, uh, Ron Carter not on bass, but on cello and playing within the ensemble. Very interesting. On bass was a young man named Herbie Lewis, 
And on drums, uh, a great drummer who passed away quite young, Freddie Waits. And there's uh, five tunes on this album, all McCoy Tyner compositions, uh, with one exception. And um, it's a wonderful album, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, as our jazz feature album, McCoy Tyner's famous Blue Note album, entitled Expansions. That's uh, going to happen shortly after 11 o'clock. But I'd like to open the show. You know, I remember this conversation I had with McCoy Tyner. We talked actually for a couple of hours. It wasn't a formal interview. It was a chat. And um, there was nothing taped or anything. And we talked about a lot of things. Uh, we just kind of hit it off. And it was very interesting to talk to uh, talk to McCoy because of what he had been through and seen and and it was very educational for me, and um, I was very flattered that McCoy uh, wanted to uh, felt that uh, I was worthwhile talking to, and uh, imparting a lot of uh, information. One of the things he said to me, he said we were talking about records, and and I I I, I told him a, a few of my favorite albums, including uh, a couple of his, and he said, you know. He said, let me tell you something. He said, you know, the best jazz, the very best jazz has never been recorded. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, there are some great recordings. We all know that. And we know the value of recordings. Recordings are, are, are very, very necessary uh, for not only personal entertainment, but educational purposes and, and as cultural documents. But he said, the best jazz has never been recorded. And I, and I said, well, explain yourself. I said, I think I know what you mean. He said, well, uh, he said, you've heard of some of the legendary uh, uh, jam sessions that have happened uh, over the years. You know, you read the history books. You know about them, the famous Coleman Hawkins, Lester Young uh, uh, get-together um, uh, back in the 40s. Um, and... Uh, he said, I remember um, hearing, he said, I wasn't there, I was too young, but he said, I remember hearing uh, about, um, it was a gig by pianist Bud Powell, one of the great pioneers of modern jazz, and Bud Powell and his trio, and Charlie Parker walked in and, and joined Bud Powell's trio. And not long after that, Sonny Stitt walked in. And, of course, Sonny Stitt uh, carried his tenor and his alto with him, but because it was Parker, pulled out his alto. And, and um, he said, uh, and, and McCoy Tyner went on saying uh, that several people had, had witnessed this, and the music was something that was totally unforgettable. And, of course, no one was there to record it. And so often this has happened, I've, uh, and over the years I've heard about sessions and so on, and, uh, sometimes having rec uh, doing a recording on a particular evening, sometimes, okay, it's going to be good, but maybe the evening that had just passed was even better somehow. You know, that's what McCoy was getting at, that, uh, that uh, the best jazz has never been recorded. And uh, <laughs> however... There, there is a solution to this, and I, I think some of the live recordings, even though the recording quality is not as good as, say, a studio-produced recording or a Columbia Records going in and recording a concert at Carnegie Hall, very often these 
sort of self-produced recordings uh, that have caught a band at its peak um, playing before a, a sympathetic live audience has r- captured the essence of the music and what it's supposed to do and, and, and what, it, what jazz is all about. I'm going to play you two pieces from an evening that took place September 22, 1968 in Baltimore, Maryland, a very famous uh, club that was run by a, a private society, and uh, the club was the Left Bank Jazz Society. And the members of the Left Bank Jazz Society were all the, uh, were, uh, people that lived in Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, they were all the, the, the most aware jazz fans. So they, they, they were uh, a very um, hip audience that really knew what was going on. And the Left Bank Jazz Society, being close to New York, they were able to bring in different bands. And many of these bands actually never made, uh, as a group, never made official records together. But um, it, it was very interesting, and everything was recorded um, it, they weren't professional recordings, but they were reasonably well uh, done recordings by um, members of the Left Bank Jazz Society. And they got permission from the musicians to uh, turn the tape recorder on and, and, uh, and so on. And if the musicians say, well, you know, I didn't play so good tonight, why don't you just get rid of the tape, that was done. But if the musicians wanted to keep the tape, then that was cool too. And eventually, a lot of these tapes came out uh, and uh, are around. And there's some wonderful performances at this Left Bank Jazz Society, including the one we're going to hear right now. It is the Winton Kelly Trio with one of the greatest of all jazz pianists, Mr. Winton Kelly, and uh, a very good friend of mine playing bass, Ron McClure. And on drums the great Jimmy Cobb. Um, And, of course, Mr. McClure and Mr. Cobb are still very much alive. Added to the trio is tenor saxophonist George Coleman. George Coleman is, without a doubt, one of the greatest living tenor saxophonists today. He just won the um, a huge grant, the Jazz Masters grant that is given to deserving musicians. And it was a long time coming. Um, people had been talking, uh, talking George's name up for years. And uh, finally, he got some honor. And uh, he was given this, uh, this prestigious uh, award this year. George Coleman is at the top of his game here. And of course... Again, this music is in front of an audience. Uh, the musicians are inspired. Um, they're not even thinking about recording. The tunes are long, uh, and, and they just play. And uh, because this is a put-together band, there's, the, there's no elaborate arrangements or anything. It's, it's uh, <laughs> built around Winton Kelly's piano. And uh, we're going to hear a couple of tunes from there, uh, from this great event great concert that took place September 22nd, 1968. This is jazz the way it should sound, as far as I'm concerned, and I hope you can sit back and enjoy it. Uh, The tunes we're going to play, the first tune is a a great old standard called The Surrey with a Fringe on Top, 
And the second tune um, is uh, a beautiful um, ballad entitled Here's That Rainy Day. They're both standard tunes. They're both great. And these are two lengthy performances by this wonderful band. So here then, once again, Winton Kelly, the leader, on piano, Ron McClure on bass, Jimmy Cobb on drums, and the great George Coleman on tenor saxophone. So sit back. We take you back to the Left Bank Jazz Society, Baltimore, Maryland, September 22, 1968. Here we go.
That was recorded um, not professionally, of course, and the musicians, I don't think, were even aware that they were being recorded until after, um, but they were performing at uh, a famous, uh, actually, it's called the Famous Ballroom uh, in Baltimore, Maryland, and it was uh, leased by a jazz society there called the Left Bank Jazz Society, and they brought in all kinds of uh, different combinations of musicians and uh, there were some great uh, uh, spontaneous bands that happened. Uh, very often the, the bands didn't regularly work together, and, and uh, the, the, the people involved in the, in the uh, jazz society there would, would, would simply phone some random musicians and, uh, that could form a band and, and say, would you come in and play? And, of course, uh, that's what they did very often without any rehearsal or even thought about what they were going to play until they were going to play it. And this was kind of one of them. Um, This was uh, a group led by pianist Wynton Kelly, of course, one of the finest piano players that uh, ever graced the planet, and he was also one of Miles Davis's favorite piano players, and worked with Miles for many years. That's how, more or less, how Wynton became more prominent on the jazz scene, but he was so well-loved, and he died uh, in 1971. He was uh, a victim of uh, an epileptic seizure, which is too bad, and um, Winton was born of Jamaican parents, and I think think this kind of uh, cross-cultural thing, he had that kind of lilt and bounce in his playing that maybe reflected his uh, cultural background, and uh, Winton, of course, had a, such a beautiful touch on the piano and all that, and we heard some prime Winton Kelly on here with a good friend of mine on bass, Ron McClure, who uh, played with everybody, and Ron is still very much alive and on the New York scene, and on drums, the great Jimmy Cobb, who, of course, played with Miles Davis as well and, and is still alive and well and, and leading all kinds of groups in New York. So... That was the bassist, and of course on tenor saxophone, the incredible George Coleman, and um, George, of course, uh, he also played with Miles Davis, but he played with Elvin Jones and all kinds of people, and as I mentioned before, George uh, was just honored um, uh, 
just recently with the Jazz Masters Award, something that he had deserved for many, many years. And um, George uh, actually made a couple of appearances here in Vancouver at Corey Weed's uh, Cellar. And uh, that was quite wonderful as well, to hear a musician of this caliber. And so that was George Coleman on tenor saxophone. Anyway, we heard two lengthy pieces um, played for this enthusiastic audience and uh, uh, two standard tunes. And I'm assuming there was uh, very little rehearsal for this. They just got together and played, and, and that's, that's what jazz musicians do, really, and uh, kind of the ultimate in spontaneity. And uh, we heard uh, two tunes. The first one was a standard called The Surrey with a Fringe on Top, and the second one was a beautiful ballad, actually, which they stretched out on, uh, called Here's That Rainy Day. And uh, there you have the Winton Kelly Trio plus George Coleman on tenor saxophone. So that's uh, our first set this evening, and I'd just like to remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR, a regular feature every Monday night. Um, And uh, we're also on your computer, which is uh, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and uh, coming up next... Uh, change the pace a little bit. We're go- actually, we're, we're even going to go back further in time. Another live recording that took place uh, at, at a place called the Tiffany Club in Los Angeles in 1954. The legendary Chet Baker on trumpet uh, with his group. And uh, Chet, uh, um, after he left Jerry Mulligan, uh, they made jazz history. Uh, and then uh, Mulligan became indisposed for a few months for a variety of reasons. And Chet Baker went out and formed his own band and began his uh, rise to fame. And this is Chet before he started singing or anything. Chet was uh, just playing exclusively playing the trumpet. So we're going to hear a couple of tunes from this live date uh, with his working band, with the great Russ Freeman on piano. Carson Smith on bass and Bob Neal on drums. And two standard tunes uh, will open with uh, a tune written by Charlie Parker. And it's uh, kind of a a light-hearted thing called My Little Suede Shoes, kind of a Latinized thing. And um, then a specialty of the band was an old standard that was made famous by Artie Shaw. And uh, Chet Baker's going to play Frenesy. So a couple of uh, tunes... And from the uh, this live date done at the uh, Tiffany Club in Los Angeles, the great Chet Baker. Thank you. 
That was uh, some rather rare recordings um, by uh, Chet Baker, and uh, they were done in 1954 uh, after Chet formed uh, his working band, which you just heard. We heard three tunes, and it it was recorded at uh, a little club in Los Angeles called the Tiffany Club, and that was one of the uh, better jazz clubs back in those days, and uh, recorded on August 10th, 1954. And we heard Chet, of course, on trumpet. Um, One of my favorite piano players, Russ Freeman. And on bass, Carson Smith. And on drums, Bob Neal. And we heard three tunes. We were going to do two, but I added one more. And the first one was a Charlie Parker tune. And you actually heard, um, although he was slightly off mic, you heard Chet announce that they were going to play Charlie Parker's Little Suede Shoes, that was the first tune we heard. And we followed that with um, uh, a tune that was made famous by uh, Artie Shaw uh, back in the early 40s, and it was called Frenesy. Great tune, and uh, very rarely played today. And the final tune was a a minor key thing entitled Carson City Stage, named after the, uh, the bassist, Carson Smith. And, of course, uh, I think he wrote it. I'm not sure. Uh, Yes, he did. Carson Smith wrote that tune. There you go. So um, good on the bass player. Anyway, that was Chet's working band, and that's the band. uh, He eventually took that band to New York City and actually shared the stage uh, in New York with uh, Miles Davis. Miles had his band, and Chet has has his band. And... uh, back in the day, and of course, uh, a little bit of rivalry between the two. (laughs) Chet actually was, um, uh, I think he, uh, at the time, um, Miles was a little jealous of Chet because uh, Chet all of a sudden was catapulted to uh, jazz popularity. He was winning the the popularity, the jazz polls in in the magazines. And uh, Miles, of course, was just beginning to reemerge from a, a fairly dark stage in his life. And um, this was before Miles became the superstar that, that uh, he was. And it was interesting. There's a lot of interesting anecdotal stories from that, from that period, but we won't go into those uh, this evening. But uh, we do have a couple of messages for you, and uh, we'll be right back with... Uh, We're going to pay tribute to uh, one of the great uh, singers in jazz music. She's 84 today. She's still alive, and she still performs occasionally. And she has played here in Vancouver as well. And a very, very well-respected singer. Her name is Helen Merrill. And uh, she was born in New York City on this day in 1930. And, uh, as I said, still alive and well. So... uh, We'll hear some of her music in a few moments. But right now, here's a little message, and we'll be right back. Just like to remind you, you're listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. This is The Jazz Show, and my name's Gavin Walker. And we shall, as they say, return. How much do you know about bikes? Everything? Perfect. Nothing at all? Even better. 
At the UBC Bike Kitchen, you can use our space and tools to do your own bike maintenance, get one-on-one -on -one instruction on how to fix your bike yourself, or drop your bike off for us to repair. You can also buy a fully refurbished, guaranteed used bicycle, or a variety of new and used parts and accessories. The Bike Kitchen is UBC's non-profit, student-owned, full-service bike shop. We're located in the basement of the Student Union Building. Just look for the stairwell on the north side of the sub across from Gage Towers, or search for the UBC Bike Kitchen on Facebook. Stop by the Bike Kitchen, and then get riding. Well, we do have some uh, interesting weather. It's a little bit of a, a glitch in the weather, but uh, the, good, the good stuff is uh, apparently going to come back, from what I understand. Uh, tonight, a few clouds, and it's, uh, it was a beautiful day today, of course, and uh, there's a few clouds out there this evening, low of 15. Then tomorrow, um, it's supposed to be mainly cloudy, with a 30% chance of a shower but in the evening. So there you go. That's tomorrow. A low of 15 and a high of 21. And then on Wednesday, is, uh, the, they say that that's going to be the low point of the week in terms of the weather. It's going to be showers on Wednesday with a low of 15 and a high of 18. Thursday um, is brightening up a little bit, but it's cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower. Low of 17, high of 20. And then... Uh, Again, cloudy for Friday, 13 and 21, low and high. And then a mix of sun and cloud for the weekend, which looks, uh, looks pretty good. Um, our heat wave has disappeared, so the temperatures are pretty temperate. Um, lows of 14 and highs between 21 and 22. So that's pretty typical for this uh, area and for this time of year as well. So there you go. That's the weather picture. All right. Helen Merrill, one of the great uh, uh, jazz singers. This is from some classic stuff that she did um, a number of years ago. On uh, um, She and her arranger, pianist Dick Katz, uh, took these tunes and, uh, and, and uh, put them together. And we're going to hear Helen with uh, a variety of musicians here. Uh, the first tune... Uh, that we're going to hear is a Frank Lesser tune called Never Will I Marry. And uh, that's kind of a whimsical uh, thing, standard tune. Then we're going to hear an Ornette Coleman composition. Uh, and I really give take my hat off to Helen Merrill for tackling this uh, rather adventurous material. And um, the words to this are by a lady named Margot Gurian. And Ornette Coleman, of course, wrote the, uh, wrote the melody. And the tune is called Lonely Woman. And uh, the soloist on here is alto saxophonist Gary Bartz. And the final tune of the three that we're going to hear is um, a great tune by Rodgers and Hart called A Lady Must Live. 
And Helen is accompanied here. Well, of course, the pianist is Dick Katz, and, and he, did, uh, he did the arrangements. Uh, we hear um, Richard Davis uh, on bass and um, uh, Elvin Jones on drums. And, of course, I mentioned uh, um, some other people on here. But the, the main focus is to pay tribute to one of the great vocalists in jazz, Miss Helen Merrill.
love is life and so that should make you forgive for a lady must live when no love is calling all your joy start falling like sand through a sail for a lady must live Why waste them? If you love to taste them, you ought to forgive. For a lady must live.
some pretty adventurous um, arrangements for a singer, but that's the kind of uh, um, singer Helen Merrill was because she could um, do stuff like this. And, of course, she had this uh, symbiotic relationship with uh, pianist Dick Katz, who was uh, really um, a wonderful uh, individualist as a musician and, of course, a great piano player, too. And I worked with a lot of people, and uh, he may not be as well-known as he should uh, today, but he was certainly a very, very talented musician. Anyway, he did the arrangements on these tunes, and uh, it featured some very prominent people, including Thad Jones on cornet, uh, Hubert Laws on flute, and uh, Jim Hall on guitar, and Dick Katz, of course, the arranger on piano. And uh, the first tune, Richard Davis was the bassist, and, and Elvin Jones on drums. And then the, the, uh, the last tunes, Ron Carter took over on bass. And um, Gary Bartz was added on the, uh, on the second tune on alto. So the tunes in order, the first one we heard was a Frank Lesser composition called Never Will I Marry. And then that was followed by um, Ornette Coleman's uh, beautiful composition, Lonely Woman, uh, with the words by um, Margot Gurian. And the soloist on that was the guest artist Gary Bartz on alto saxophone. Uh, he was only on that one tune. And the final tune was uh, a Rodgers and Hart tune, kind of a whimsical thing, called A Lady Must Live. So there you go. All of these were recorded uh, back in 1965 and issued on the um, Milestone label, produced by the redoubtable Oren Keepnews, who is uh, still alive today. He's in his 90s, one of the great uh, jazz producers. And uh, he owned Riverside Records and one hell of a character, but he, he certainly put out some classic recordings. So I hope you enjoyed the uh, small birthday tribute to uh, the great singer Helen Merrill. Another birthday tribute, probably uh, which will bring us up to the jazz feature, is a pianist. And that pianist is the legendary Sonny Clark. Sonny Clark, of course, um, one can read his, uh, his history. He died very young. Uh, he was only 31 years old, and he was unfortunately uh, uh, a victim of the... Uh, the narcotics scourge, which uh, plagued uh, a whole era of jazz music, and Sonny Clark was one of the uh, fallen victims of that and died of a drug-induced uh, heart attack. In other words, an overdose. And uh, we lost uh, a piano player who was uh, absolutely um, very individual. Uh, he had a, a very, very strong personality. He was a wonderful uh, composer as well, and uh, a strong musical personality. He was uh, a very quiet, modest uh, man, but um, musically, he was a heavy. And uh, fortunately, there are a lot of Sonny Clark recordings available, mostly on Blue Note records, but uh, we're going to take three tunes from an album that he did uh, for Time Records. And uh, Max Roach was... Um, one of the advisors on that short-lived jazz label, the great drummer, and he's actually the drummer on these tracks that we're going to hear, um, and he uh, suggested to the powers that be that they do an album with Sonny Clark, and this is how this album came about. 
and it's one of his most uh, personal albums, and it's a trio date, and we're going to hear three tunes, three compositions by Mr. Clark with uh, George DeVivier on bass, one of the most in-tune bass players in the history of jazz, great player, and Max Roach on drums, and three Sonny Clark compositions to bring us up to the jazz feature. So the first tune is called Blues Mambo, the second tune is called Blues Blue, and the third tune is called Yunka, J-U-N-K-A, named after uh, Sonny's uh, Japanese girlfriend. So there you go. So these three tunes, and a tribute to the great Sonny Clark, who was born uh, on this day um, and passed away, sad to say, um, in New York City in 1963. The late, great Sonny Clark.
One of the most distinctive pianists of his era, the late Sonny Clark. He only had 31 years to live, and he was born in 1931 in Hermini, Pennsylvania, which is a suburb of uh, Philadelphia, on this day in 1931, and passed away uh, tragically, uh, far too young, January 13th, yeah, I I think it was Friday too, in 1963 in New York City, died of a, um, unfortunately died of a heroin overdose. 
and uh, we lost uh, an incredible musician, but he did record prolifically. There's a lot of Sonny Clark albums on Blue Note Records, a whole discography, but there's also uh, this album where we sampled, uh, which came out on Time Records, and um, it's a wonderful album with Sonny um, on piano, of course, and on bass, George DeVivier, and on drums, the great Max Roach, who was responsible for getting Sonny into uh, Time Records studio to record this album. I think it's one of his most personal uh, albums, and it was recorded in 1959. Actually, in 1960, I stand corrected. Uh, March 23rd, 1960 was the exact date of this recording. Sonny Clark, and um, a wonderful musician, and of course, uh, played with everybody. You go into his Blue Note uh, catalog, he's, uh, he did recordings with um, John Coltrane and Jackie McLean and Art Farmer and so many great musicians and made a, a whole series of classic albums. This uh, was one of them, and uh, just a small tribute to Mr. Clark. The, the tunes were all his, and the first two, of course, were based on the blues. Um, the first one was called Blues Mambo, and then the second one was uh, even closer to the blues, and it was called Blues Blue. And the final tune was uh, named for his girlfriend of the time, uh, a young Japanese lady by the name of Yunka, and spelt J-U-N-K-A. Sonny Clark, wonderful composer and pianist. All right, just like to remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR. FM 101.9, or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Just a, a couple of great websites to get onto um, that uh, you can find out what's going on in and around Vancouver as regards the jazz scene. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of little gigs that happen, and, and you want to get onto a website that, uh, that keeps you up to date on these on these. Uh, um, places where jazz is played, uh, we no longer have the uh, the cellar, um, which was sort of a focal point for uh, for jazz music. But we do have a Pat's Pub, for instance, which has jazz every Saturday afternoon uh, in Vancouver's down at Vancouver's uh, downtown East Side in the uh, old Patricia Hotel. And Pat's Pub is a very very comfortable venue. And uh, they're having a whole series of uh, piano trios down there with such people as Lorne Kellett, Miles Black, all kinds of people are playing there over over the summertime. Piano trio time. So there there you go. Um, That's just one venue. There are other venues. Um, There's uh, 1789, which is on on, uh, Comox Street. And that's a club which is, uh, features some jazz that is put together actually by Corey Weeds. Uh, he does the programming uh, of that club, and that's a very comfortable restaurant venue. So there's um, all kinds of places where, where the music is played on various nights of the week. So it's, it's usually best to get onto some sort of a comprehensive website and check it out if you're uh, of a mind to go out and hear some jazz music and hear some of our fine resident musicians. So one good website to get onto is VancouverJazz.com. Very comprehensive website. It's kept up to date by my uh, old friend Brian Nation, and it's VancouverJazz.com. Ch- check it out. Also, the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. They have... Uh, 
even though the jazz festival is is finished for the year, uh, they have stuff coming up, and they also have a comprehensive website, which is coastaljazz.ca. So get on either of those websites, and you can find out what's happening in and around Vancouver. And I would like to mention um, a very good friend of mine uh, who does repair work. If you play a, a, um, a wind instrument, like a saxophone, or a clarinet, or flute, um, this gentleman is a very fine musician himself, but he's also a repairman. And, and you've got to keep your instrument in shape, whether you're a, a pro, amateur, or student. If you don't, you're not going to sound as good as you can. And uh, I'd just like to recommend this uh, very good friend of mine. He, he uh, is an excellent repairman. And the difference is, is that he doesn't operate out of a store. Uh, he has his sh- shop right in his home. And so he keeps his costs down for you. His name is Ken Speller, and he's over in North Vancouver and uh, in the 13th and Lonsdale area. And uh, Ken does a, a, an excellent job. As I said, he's a fine musician himself and uh, really can take, care of, uh, can take care of business and is very fair because that stuff can run into a lot of money, overhauls, repair work on musical instruments. And he understands that, that uh, <laughs> musicians aren't necessarily wealthy. Uh, he has, uh, you can contact him by phone. 778-800-1933, 778-800-1933, or by email, it's kspeller, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R, underscore 14, underscore 14 at yahoo.ca, kspeller, underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. Good man to know, uh, just like uh, an automobile mechanic, you've got to keep your musical instrument in shape, and... Uh, the same way as you drive, if you drive a car, you have to keep your car in shape, too. All right, we're going to get into the jazz feature. And the jazz feature is a wonderful album by pianist McCoy Tyner. And uh, McCoy had left uh, in 1965. He gave his resignation to John Coltrane and uh, went out on his own. Um, he decided that uh, he wasn't ready to contribute. Coltrane was... Uh, Coltrane's music had evolved in, in a certain direction, and McCoy um, decided, and it was an amicable parting, that, that he, he couldn't really contribute to the direction that John was taking the music, and he decided to resign from the classic quartet and um, went out on his own. He was ready. McCoy had already recorded under his own name for uh, Impulse Records, but they were mostly uh, trio albums, and, and albums, they were fairly conservative albums, too. They were albums uh, basically playing standards and so on and so forth. But then uh, after he left Coltrane, he signed with Blue Note Records and began a whole series of record dates where he presented his own musical vision. And, of course, from there uh, grew. And um, this album is one of, one of my favorites. McCoy Tyner and Herbie Hancock were the two pianists in the 60s that really changed the whole way that people thought about piano. They were so influential. And, and uh, to this day, most young pianists uh, who are studying that instrument have to study the music of McCoy Tyner and Herbie Hancock. They can't get past that and, uh, and move on from there. Um, these, 
these two men really uh, wrote the book on uh, modern jazz piano playing. McCoy Tyner, of course, is an incredible composer, and um, this album is a real step toward his own individuality as well. He had already done, as I said, a bunch of albums for Blue Note, but this, this album stood out because it, was, it featured some, some new stuff. And uh, interesting title. The album was called Expansions, and uh, that really represented his concept, Expanding. And uh, he picked an all-star group of musicians to perform with him, uh, including the late, great Woody Shaw on trumpet, on alto saxophone, and on one-tune wooden flute, Gary Bartz. And, of course, his alto voice is one of the most individual um, sounds in jazz music. On tenor saxophone, he had just left Miles Davis's organization, Wayne Shorter on tenor saxophone, and, of course, Mr. Tyner on piano. Ron Carter is along here, but not playing bass. He's playing his original instrument, which was cello, and he contributes to the ensemble sound here. Herbie Lewis is on bass, and the late, great Freddie Waits is the drummer. And um, this most interesting and adventurous album. We're going to hear it in its entirety. The compositions, um, they're all by McCoy Tyner except for one tune. And uh, we open with a tune called Vision, which sets a very, very high standard for this album. Then the second tune is kind of a mood piece where uh, Shorter uh, plays clarinet, and uh, Gary Bart switches over to wooden flute, and it's kind of an atmospheric, um, uh, spiritual, uh, kind of African-sounding uh, piece of music, and it's called Song of Happiness. Then um, a straight-ahead piece following that by Mr. Tyner called Smitty's Place, and then a ballad uh, written by McCoy Tyner's friend, uh, one of the great unsung musicians from Philadelphia, Calvin Massey. Cal Massey wrote the tune, and uh, the next tune, tune number four, and it's called I Thought I'd Let You Know. The final tune is a big favorite of mine, and it's, um, I guess it's a, fi- uh, one could call it a sophisticated sort of bossa nova-influenced tune. But it's a beautiful melody, and it's, it's one of the high points of the album, the final tune. And um, it features a glorious soul by Wayne Shorter as well. And the tune is called Parasina. So here, then, is our jazz feature album this evening, the album Expansions. Once again, Woody Shaw on trumpet, Gary Bartz on alto saxophone, Wayne Shorter on tenor saxophone, Ron Carter, cello, Herbie Lewis, bass, Freddie Waits on drums, and, of course, the great... McCoy Tyner on piano. We open with vision.
And that was our jazz feature this evening. The music of McCoy Tyner from this groundbreaking album entitled Expansions. And it really was, and it was an expansion of his um, concepts. As I mentioned before, he had left John Coltrane's group and formed um, his own band and, and signed um, a recording contract with Blue Note Records and, of course, um, continued to record his own compositions and develop his own uh, concept from uh, his tenure with, uh, with John Coltrane and moved into his own sphere. And uh, this album was really a step uh, that furthered his uh, musical concepts. And uh, that's why it was called Expansions, and uh, a very apt title. We heard um, McCoy with uh, Woody Shaw on trumpet, the late, great Woody Shaw, Gary Bartz on alto saxophone, Wayne Shorter on tenor saxophone. He had just left Miles Davis's band. And uh, Ron Carter uh, playing his first instrument, which was not the bass, it was the cello. And he was heard in the ensemble passages and also uh, played a couple of uh, um, atmospheric uh, solos on that instrument. The bassist was Herbie Lewis, and the drummer was the great late Freddie Waits. And uh, this was all recorded in August of 1968, and it's, uh, it's a favorite album of uh, many people, uh, especially those of us who are fans of McCoy Tyner's music. And McCoy Tyner and Herbie Hancock were the two pianists in the 60s that completely changed um, the concept of, of jazz piano. And, of course, have, gener have influenced generations uh, of piano players since then. And, of course, they are still very much with us, which is uh, nice to know as well. The um, music we heard, uh, the first composition was, uh, the first uh, two compositions were by McCoy Tyner. Um, first one was called Vision, and that was a very uh, high start. Uh, <laughs> And uh, the second tune was uh, uh, an African-influenced thing where uh, Gary Bartz, the alto saxophonist, played the wooden flute uh, as well, and Wayne Shorter uh, played some clarinet, and then they switched to their regular instruments on the tune called Song of Happiness. And then the tune number three was a, a ballad, which was actually written by a, uh, an older musician from McCoy's hometown of Philadelphia, a gentleman named Calvin Massey. And uh, he was a, a much uh, revered uh, musician, never achieved a lot of fame or fortune. But he wrote some beautiful music, and that was the ballad of the set. We heard a tune, I Thought I'd Let You Know, was the title of that. And the final tune was uh, a rather fascinating piece of music, a, a favorite of uh, just about everybody. Uh, and it featured a, a stupendous uh, solo by Wayne Shorter and a beautiful thing called Parasina. And it was one of the most, uh, to this day, it's one of the most requested McCoy Tyner tunes when he does, uh, does gigs. So there you go, the music of McCoy Tyner. Next week uh, on the jazz feature is the music of trumpeter Lee Morgan. And it's one of his lesser-known albums. And it features, well, McCoy Tyner on piano as a sideman and Jackie McLean on uh, alto saxophone and uh, some other people. But is, it is also one of the, the last recordings where drummer Art Blakey appears as a sideman. 
And um, this album was uh, recorded in 1964, and it's uh, a great album called Tomcat. Uh, trumpeter Lee Morgan, one of the finest voices of uh, his generation on that instrument. So that's going to be the jazz feature next week. Meanwhile, we're going to split, and I uh, hope um, the good weather comes back, uh, which I'm, I'm sure it will. We've got a, a, a lot of summer to go, so uh, another, well, what, six, seven, eight weeks? You know, who knows? Sometimes we get summer right, right up to the middle of October here in Vancouver. We could be lucky this year. Who knows? Anyway, enjoy um, the weather and uh, summertime in Vancouver. And we hope that you can join us next week right here on The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker. Thanks very much for listening. And don't touch the dial. More great stuff coming up. We'll see you in seven days' time. Bye-bye. Ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do